Hi, this is Melissa with Mix and Some Magic. Welcome to my podcast. Welcome back. I'm so happy you're here. This is an exciting week because finally, after over a year of waiting, Disneyland is finally reopening. Yep, it deserves a round of applause. I'm so excited about this week. Oh my gosh, it's just been amazing. So yesterday they opened for a cast member preview and it was so fun to watch people's Instagram videos and see people actually back at Disneyland. On the Disneyland app you could see wait times again and it was just fun. It was fun to be back and feel like we're getting back to normal a little bit. So that's the big news for this week. Disneyland reopens. So on Friday, they'll be open to everybody and it just feels good. Um, so, oh, oh, there is some more news I wanted to tell you about. Universal Studios just announced that they will be letting in um, non-California residents starting immediately. So let me find their website. I'll read you what they said. Um, This is just right from the Universal Studios Hollywood website. Universal Studios Hollywood is now open in accordance with government guidelines to visit. You must either be a California resident or an out-of-state visitor who is fully vaccinated for COVID-19. Proof of COVID-19 vaccination and photo ID will be required for park entry by out-of-state visitors. At this time, online sales are restricted to California residents and the front gate sales are restricted to fully vaccinated out-of-state visitors. So I'm not sure why they're doing this. So if you're a California resident, you have to buy your tickets online. If you're not a California resident, you have to buy your tickets when you arrive at the gate. So I'm not sure. Maybe so that if something happens and you didn't end up coming or whatever, then you didn't have a ticket so they didn't have to do a refunds. I don't know. Um, They also say, unfortunately, at this time, we can only welcome out-of-state visitors ages 16 and over as children are not eligible for vaccinations. Party size for all visitors is limited limited to a maximum of three households. Um, And then it goes on to talk about how COVID-19 is a risk when you're in public and, and on and on. So, interesting. We've all been kind of wondering how theme parks were going to handle the fact that children cannot yet be vaccinated. So it's one thing to say, yes, we are opening our gates for fully vaccinated guests, but then what about all the kids? So this is how Universal is handling it. Um, But it'll be interesting to see what Disneyland does. I kind of imagine they might go down that same path and say we will welcome out-of-state guests that are vaccinated, but um, children won't be allowed in yet so we'll have to wait and see it'll be really interesting but I'm keeping my eye out always for news like that um so keep an eye on my Instagram I'll post about it as soon as we hear anything but because of this exciting week with Disneyland reopening I thought it would be really fun to take a look back all the way back to July 15th 1955 when Disneyland first opened. Um, (laughs) It was a pretty crazy day. 
I'm sure you've heard some of the stories. I've got lots of lots of things to talk about. I mean, there was scandal, there were crowds, there was heat, there were people sneaking in, there was gas leaks, the rides breaking down. They were trying to film the whole thing live and it was a crazy, crazy day. And I'm sure that reopening on Friday won't be anything like that, but it's fun to look back and remember what was. So that's what we're going to be talking about this week is the opening day at Disneyland and all of the craziness that ensued. And I think you guys are going to like it. So let's take a quick break and when we come back, we'll jump right in. Okay, I just realized I said July 15th, 1955. That is so wrong. July 17th was the day that Disneyland opened, 1955. So there you go. Sorry about that. So it's hard to believe that only one year before Disneyland opened, it had just been 160 acres of orange groves and walnut trees and dirt. In just one year, Walt Disney took a dream he'd had for decades and Disneyland was born which is amazing. I mean, it takes them, how long did it take them to build Avengers Campus? I don't even know. But he did the whole park in one year. It cost $17 million to build in 1955. So I wanted to see what that would cost today. So in 2021, it would be $168 million, which is quite a lot of money. Now, if you think the year timeline sounds short, it was, and they were not quite ready for opening day despite all of their hard work. Crews worked night and day, literally night and day, to get the park ready in time for opening. Um, And it was almost there, but it was far from perfect, but it was mostly finished. The asphalt was still a little soft because it had been poured that morning and it didn't set as quickly as they had hoped because it was so hot that day. It was in the 90s. So women's heels were sinking into it. Of course, they were wearing heels to Disneyland. I love it. Um, the landscaping was sparse and like there were weeds growing and they didn't have time to pull them. And so Walt just had them make up Latin names on little signs and put them in front of them. So maybe people wouldn't notice that it was just full of weeds. Um, They were planting trees. Some were still being planted that morning. There were many signs that said coming soon um, in place of actual attractions. And there were some attractions that weren't even ready to be opened, but they were close enough. So they opened and they were just kind of doing the best they could right up until that moment, but they opened. So even after the park opened, then workers continued to work right up until the start of the 90-minute live broadcast on ABC. Did I mention they broadcast the opening of Disneyland live to America? Like, that's pretty bold. Um, But they did, and half of the country turned in to watch, which is amazing to me. Half of the country was so interested in Disneyland that they tuned in to watch this live broadcast. The broadcast was hosted by Art Linkletter, and co-hosted by future president, then actor, Ronald Reagan. 
So this broadcast was the largest production ever attempted to that point. 24 cameras were spread throughout the park along with hundreds of technicians. They had to borrow personnel and cameras from other networks as far away as Chicago for the broadcast. It was the biggest engineering feat on television up to that time. America watched Walt Disney dedicate Disneyland, which included his famous speech, a benediction by a Protestant minister, a band playing the national anthem as members of the military raised the American flag, and a flyover by the California Air National Guard following the lowering of the drawbridge, which I'm sure you've heard of or seen. They lowered the drawbridge and the kids come running through. It was pretty cute. Then the viewers were taken on a virtual tour of Frontierland, Adventureland, Fantasyland, and Tomorrowland. There were celebrities there for the opening day and the broadcast. Um, Fess Parker, who played Davy Crockett, rode a horse down Main Street. Sammy Davis Jr. and Frank Sinatra were there, and they took a ride on Autopia. And it was a pretty exciting event. So everything unfolded well on camera, mostly. The broadcast did have a lot of problems. There were technical difficulties and guests kept tripping over all the camera cables and cords, which were all over the park. Um, They had on-air little mishaps where connections weren't working and even an unexpected moment on camera, namely Bob Cummings, who was there, he was caught making out with a dancer just before going on air, which was kind of funny because he had been there with his wife just a little while before. So he had been on camera with his wife and then he's caught on camera making out with one of the dancers when he didn't know he was on air. You'll have to watch this. Google it. It's it's pretty funny to see. So check that out. Um, but it was exciting for sure. But I think that to the viewers at home, it looked like things went off basically without a hitch, even though things were falling apart just a tiny bit. Walt Disney's brother, Roy Disney, actually spent the very first dollar at Disneyland when he purchased his admission ticket that day. The admission price got you into the park, but the attractions required additional tickets. So it's different than it is now. Um, now... Your admission ticket is good for everything in the park, but back then your ticket just got you in. If you wanted to go on rides, you had to purchase additional tickets. So you could buy an A ticket that was worth 10 cents and was good for rides like the carousel. A B ticket was worth 25 cents and was good for rides like the Mad Tea Party. And for headliner rides like the Jungle Cruise, you'd need a C ticket, which was 35 cents. Guests could buy an attraction ticket booklet for $2.50, but they only covered eight attractions. So admission ran $1 with the cost of rides on top of that. And these days you always hear people complaining about how expensive Disneyland is and how Walt would be so upset if he knew what was being charged to come into his theme parks and on and on. But um, I thought it would be fun to do some price comparisons. So, to get the same value in 1955 on Disneyland's original attractions and pricing would cost you $86 today. So, that's just for getting into the park, into Disneyland, and the rides that were open on opening day. 
Um, that price is $86 in today's money, which, I mean, if you were going to Disneyland and paid $86 and only could go on, like, I think there were 13 rides open, 14 rides, that's not a lot. Inside the magic.net did a little bit of price comparison, which I thought was interesting, comparing today's prices to 1955's prices. Um, so I'm going to read from their website. It says, so let's say Disneyland didn't change anything about their pricing. Forget the inclusion of more intense attractions. Forget the overall increase in park quality. Forget the outrageous increase in California taxes. And forget the increased demand relative to the rather stagnant park capacity. Let's assume Disney merely corrected for inflation and kept its price average, which would be $2.19 a ride today. The Disneyland Resort currently has 90 attractions divided into two parks, and we have more on the way with Avengers Campus opening this summer. Using our average and the now $10 admissions fees for both the Disneyland and California Adventure Park, it would cost an adult $217 to have the unlimited access offered by the Disneyland's Park Hopper ticket. $217 if they had kept the prices the same, charging per ride as they did on opening day. The highest price guests will pay for a Disneyland Park Hopper ticket is $209, and the lowest they'll pay is $159. So, really, we are paying less than they were paying back then. I mean, obviously, it's different with the, the inflation and things like that, but we are paying less per ride, and we are getting way more than they did back in 1955. We have access to way more rides, way more entertainment, character experiences, the fireworks, all those things. So whenever someone says that Walt would be so upset if he knew the prices that were being charged, you might want to rethink that because actually he could be charging us more if he was sticking with his original pricing, which I thought was very interesting. Okay, let's jump back to the parks. An estimated 10 to 15,000 people were invited to be there on opening day. Um, it was meant to be an invitation only event, kind of like a soft opening like they had yesterday at Disneyland. It was meant to be for media, for studio workers, construction workers, officials of company sponsors, friends, employees. It was meant to be just an invitation only soft opening, but that did not happen. Twice as many people showed up for opening day. Many of them had counterfeit tickets, and some of the tickets that had been legitimately issued had a blank space where you could write in the number of guests you were bringing with you, and people were writing in astronomical numbers. So there were traffic jams. Um, I read that there was a seven-mile backup to Disneyland on the Santa Ana Freeway just from people trying to get there. Obviously, there's no bathrooms in the car and people were stuck in traffic. So kids were using the bathrooms on the side of the freeway and in the Disneyland parking lot. Um, the heat added to the problems because it was over 100 degrees by the time late afternoon hit. I mean, the day started off in the 90s, but ended well over 100. So people were hot and miserable and there were just so many people there. There's actually a true story of um, a man who had a ladder and he just leaned it up against one of the fences and was charging people $5 a pop to climb over 
the ladder to get into Disneyland. So people were entering that way. I'm not sure what they did once they got inside though, because you didn't, they wouldn't have tickets to ride on the rides. I don't know. Maybe they didn't think that through, but they were cheating and getting in that way. So it was a disaster. And I think that maybe opening day would have gone better all around if they had just stopped letting people in, but they didn't, they just kept going and things got crazier and crazier. Um, an additional problem with the tickets was there were two sets of tickets that went out with designated times. So one was for the morning and one was for the afternoon. And the time to leave Disneyland was printed on your ticket. So if the ticket read 2.30, then you were supposed to leave the park at 2.30 to make room for the afternoon ticket holders to come in. But the morning ticket holders didn't leave. So they just stayed there and hung out. And so by afternoon, the attendance was completely out of control. And nobody even really knows how many people were there. Um, there's estimates of around 28 to 30,000 which is crazy if you're thinking just in original Disneyland, which was such a small area compared to now. So it was crazy and hot to say the least. Heat and crowds weren't the only problems. There was also a plumber's strike right before park opening. And so a few days before it opened, he had to decide, Walt, I mean, had to decide if he wanted working bathrooms or working drinking fountains because there were not enough plumbers to do both. <laughs> I went I went on a walk in Walt's footsteps tour a few years ago and the guide was telling us this story and he um, had all the people on the tour raise their hand. He said, who thinks that Walt picked bathrooms and who thinks that Walt picked drinking fountains and I was shocked at how many people raised their hands and thought that he picked drinking fountains over bathrooms like more than half the people raised their hands and were like oh no he did the drinking fountains for sure that's wrong he did not do the drinking fountains he picked bathrooms for good reason so allegedly Walt said that people can pay money to buy a Coke or a Pepsi, but they can't relieve themselves on Main Street. So there you go. If you thought that he put in drinking fountains instead of bathrooms, you are wrong too. That would be a terrible idea because people can buy things to drink, but they can't just go to the bathroom wherever. That, can you imagine? Oh my gosh, that would have added to the insanity of opening day for sure. Well, they ran out of drinks and they ran out of food because there were so many people they did not expect to be there and I mean they were gone if food was gone drinks were gone it was 100 degrees the asphalt was soft there was also a gas leak in Fantasyland that caused Adventureland and Fantasyland to be closed during the afternoon I actually found one report that said that Sleeping Beauty's castle started on fire due to the gas leaks, like actual flames, but I could not verify that through um, a credible source, so I don't know if that's actually true. It does make for a really good story, but I don't know if Sleeping Beauty's castle actually started on fire during opening day. I'm kind of leaning towards no, but if you know for sure, let me know because I would be interested. Let's talk about some of the issues they had with rides. So, Dumble the Flying Elephant was the one that had the most problems. 
An engineer at Arrow realized that tweaking the lubrication would make it more energy efficient, but his early attempt was throwing the ride out of alignment and spewing foam everywhere. So there's white foam all over Dumbo. <laughs> Uh, It says, we used a man by the name of Paul Harvey to sit on the site. We left him down there to milk the elephants. This is a quote by Carl Bacon. While they were loading, he'd get out there and drain the system and put in clean oil. We were running back and forth to the surplus store till 10 o'clock at night, but they kept the ride running. So they're having to drain the oil, spewing foam, put new oil in, I don't know how often, over and over during the day, running to the store to buy more oil it's just oh man it's just kind of funny to picture so we've talked about two of the biggest complaints on opening day were the hot weather and the large crowds but the heat of july wasn't just experienced by thirsty guests the day was getting hotter and hotter said bob gurr who was in charge of the autopia cars driving in formation for the parade down main street all of the cars began to vapor lock after idling in the heat for 15 minutes Just as the cars were to join the parade, I ran madly from car to car to restart the stalled engines. Oh, so the cars are falling apart too. The Mark Twain riverboat was also having problems in Frontierland. It was filled way over capacity with about 500 people cramming onto it. Can you imagine that? So there was water sloshing all over the sides. It caused the boat to go off its track and sink in the mud. It took about 20 to 30 minutes to get it fixed and back on the rail, and it came chugging in. Terry O'Brien, who was working the ride on opening day, later recalled in an interview, As soon as it was was pulled up to the landing, all the people rushed to the side to get off, and the boat tipped into the water again, so they all had to wade through the water, and some of them were pretty mad. Can you imagine seeing that? Like, I can't even hardly picture it. I'm not sure who was loading 500 people onto the Mark Twain, but seems like they need some more employee training. I don't know. Um, there's also stories of guests who were so sick of waiting in line for Autopia that when people would get close to the front of the line, like when they were coming back around with their cars, then guests would just jump out of line, run over to the car kick the driver out and take the car themselves and go around because they were sick of waiting in line. So all kinds of crazy stories. But luckily, like I said before, Walt himself didn't know about all of these things that were going wrong. He was just focused on the live broadcast and he only became aware the following day because of all of the bad press. H.W. Mooring's Los Angeles Tiding Review said, Walt's dream is a nightmare, a fiasco, the like of which I cannot recall in 30 years of show life. The Los Angeles Mirror News said, Crowds gripe over long waiting lines everywhere. Disneyland, Orange County's new $17 million playground, was the land of gripes and complaints today, as a huge milling throng of 48,000 people had the place bulging at the seams. Oh, so they say 48,000. That's interesting. Sheila Graham probably summed it up best. She said, To sum up, Disneyland was a disappointment. But don't be discouraged, boys and girls. Walt Disney has always been a smart trader, and I'm sure there'll be some changes made. And indeed there were. Walt went to work immediately to fix the problems, and he was smart about it. So he invited the press back for a private second day to really experience Disneyland. 
They spent the whole summer inviting reporters back and taking them to early dinners at the Red Wagon Inn or the Plantation House, followed by a guided tour of the park. The tactic worked, as evident by the follow-up story in the Mirror News. If you're planning a trip to Disneyland, they said, go out in the late afternoon. Lines everywhere move swiftly with only brief waits. In my opinion, the entire park looks more captivating by night than day. Disneyland officially opened to the general public on July 18, 1955 at 10 a.m., but people were lining up well before that to get into the park. Um, although Roy Disney purchased the first ticket, his ticket number was 0001. The first paying guest through the gates was 22-year-old college student David McPherson, who lined up before 1 a.m. on opening day to be the first person at Disneyland. There's a fun picture of him on the internet, so if you want to look that up, just search for Dave McPherson or first guest of Disneyland, something like that. Because he was the first guest, he got a lifetime pass that he still uses. He's over 80 now. He's in his late 80s, but he still uses his lifetime pass to Disneyland, which I think is pretty amazing. Do you think they'll do that on Friday, the first person in? We'll get a lifetime pass. <laughs> I don't think so. But wouldn't that be great? So ever since then, Disneyland has continued to grow and change. And Walt Disney himself said Disneyland will never be complete. And it wasn't even complete on opening day. But we've all seen evidence of Disneyland and its growth and the way it changes and, and its improvements. And I don't think it will ever stop. And I love that's what I one of the things I love about Disneyland. If you are interested in more of Disneyland history, I have a few other podcasts you might like. I have the history of Fantasyland, the history of Frontierland, and the history of the Haunted Mansion so far. I'm working on more, and they'll be coming out down the road. But if you're interested in history and Disneyland, you might like those. I will put links to them in my show notes. If you are planning on visiting Disneyland this weekend... I'm so excited for you, or anytime soon. I'm so excited for you. I hope it's amazing. I think it will be great. If you are wanting to visit Disneyland, it's almost time, guys. I know that us out-of-staters will get there soon. You can purchase tickets right now if you would like. Um, Disneyland itself is not selling tickets, but my friends at Getaway Today are selling tickets to Disneyland to out-of-state residents, so you can get your tickets through them. I love them. I think they're amazing. The tickets don't expire till the December of 2022, so you have a, lots of time to use them. Um, I'll put a link for them in my show notes also in case you want to check them out. Um, last thing, I would love it so much if you would leave me a review on my podcast. It helps people find me, and I would really appreciate it. Thank you guys so much for listening. I appreciate your support. You guys are seriously the best. I just really... I just appreciate you. If you do go to the parks, tag me on Instagram because I would love to see your pictures. I have to live vicariously through everyone else. So tag me in your pictures so that I can see them. I would love that. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk soon.